0: Hi TJS, John, the editor here. Uh, upcoming in November is ELN Connect, the annual event from the eLearning Network, which takes in a lot more than just technology, also some fascinating insights into behaviour as well, and neuroscience and many other things besides. And I spoke to one of the keynotes, Julie Dirksen, about her upcoming talk, and I hope you enjoy it. Julie, thanks a lot for talking to TJ today. We're going to be talking about ELN Connect and the the upcoming event. So tell us about your your talk at the uh, The upcoming event?
1: Um, Well, the area uh, that I've been really interested in uh, lately, I've been working in e learning for decades now, but um, the area I've really been interested in uh, for the last several years has been around behavior change. And there's a lot of interesting science going on in the behavior change area um, uh, for things like public health or uh, around things like behavioral economics and so forth that I really think it's very useful for us to be aware of and to be bringing into our practice as e-learning designers Um, because that's always sort of the hard problem. The, you know, the situations where it's not just about informing people, um, where, you know, anytime people have a situation where they know what to do, but they still aren't doing it, um, we need to have kind of a different set of tools to bring to bear. And I think there's a lot happening in the behavior change space that could be useful for that.
0: Definitely. Um the uh, the title of your talk is "Talk to the Elephant," or part of the title of your talk is talk, "is Talk to the Elephant." So, th- does is this referring to the elephant in the room, indicating that no one wants to talk about learning, or is it alluding to? Uh, <laughs> does it allude to elephants never forgetting, telling us to make our learning events more memorable?
1: You know, both of those are completely logical um, metaphors to use, but it's actually neither of those. What it is, is it comes from a metaphor that um, Jonathan Haidt, who's a psychologist, um, came up with, where he talks about how your brain is like a rider and an elephant. Um, And what he's referring to specifically, and it's an idea that shows up in a lot of different places. I happen to like the rider elephant version, because I think it's really easy for people to kind of remember and understand. Um, And what he's talking about is the fact that if you think about your brain from an evolutionary point of view, you've got a lot of sort of the older brain functions that have been around longer from an evolutionary point of view are things like um, the oldest stuff is things like reflexes, um, just sort of down by your, uh, kind of at the base of your skull by your brain, um, by your spinal cord uh, and brainstem and things like that. And then you get into kind of the back of your brain is vision and we have hearing and we have gross motor control and we have fine motor control. And right in the middle of your brain, you have your um limbic system which is uh things like your amygdala and your hypothalamus and considered to be the seat of emotion and things like that and so there's there's this big kind of all of the you know the sort of largest land mass in your brain is devoted to things like that, which are physical or feeling or visceral or body control or emotions or anything like that. And then way up in front, you have right, kind of right behind your eyes, you have the prefrontal cortex, which is logic, reasoning, um, executive control, uh, impulse control, all of those kinds of things. And that as a Area of the brain is sort of more recently evolved and has gotten larger as we as we evolve and things like that. And so, what his metaphor is is, and I'm I'm really oversimplifying brain regions, to take it with a grain of salt. But what his metaphor is, the idea is that you've got a little rider kind of right behind your eyes, that's sitting on the back of a big, physical, emotional being, um, which he sort of describes as an elephant. And so when we talk about behavior change, um, you know, when we're thinking about it from a scientific point of view, we have all of these logical, rational reasons why you should eat better, exercise more, or stop smoking. Um, And logical, rational reasons speak really well to that rider, that little sort of logic reasoning. Um, It's the part of your brain that projects out into the future and considers consequences for things. Um, But if you really want behavior change to be effective, it can't just... You're sort of use the logic version, you have to talk to the elephant um, as well, which, and the things that the elephant really responds to are actual experiences or things that have emotional context or things that f- sort of feel right to it. Um, and so when we um, are talking about behavior change if we're only using the sort of logic reason piece, um, we're missing out and we're kind of ignoring the elephant entirely. And that's the idea is you 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 want to talk to the writer, okay. but you also want so, to talk to so the writer. So three elephant.
0: explanations, although one of them only one of them is the real one. <laughs> um, another thing that <laughs> right. is mentioned in your the synopsis for your talk is about persuasive technology. Tell us more about this. What's persuasive technology all about?
1: Yeah, the term persuasive technology um, And it's actually getting used a bit less now than it used to be. But um, uh, BJ Fogg, among other people, was one of the people who kind of Coined that term, and he had the Persuasive Technology Lab at Stanford for a while. Um, and it's um, it's it's actually really just this idea of technology that persuades or changes behavior, things like that. And so, right now, um, the things that are sort of most often coming up in terms of persuasive technology are are some of these apps around behavior change and things like that. So there's a there's a whole variety of um, different um, uh, pieces of technology that, uh, help, help with behavior, help modify behavior, those kinds of things. Um, everybody's, you know, aware of stuff like Fitbits and, and that sort of thing, but we're really just sort of starting to scratch the surface of the possibilities around, um, how technology can be used, hopefully in a beneficial way to, um, help us with behavior and things like that. Um, in Fogg's lab, my favorite experiment was one one of his graduate students did where they hooked a an exercise bike up to a television and they somehow managed it so that the faster you pedaled, the clearer the picture would be on the TV. And looked at the sort of, you know, impact that, that had on exercise uh, output as opposed to, you know, just a bicycle with a normal TV or something like that. And of course people biked harder because they, you know, they had this sort of, not only do they have the motivation of wanting to clear up the TV picture, but also there's this feedback mechanism of, you know, I must not be biking very hard because the TV is still blurry. And, um, the, the, the exercise bike version that I still want is the one where you can, um, hook it up to a tetris game and get the pieces to fall slower the harder you bite. oh yes i think that would be a really nice that'd be great thing. there's actually <laughs> there's actually a lot of stuff going on in the exercise gaming space of people trying to figure out how do they take the engagement of video games and apply it to things like exercise and so forth which i'm all in favor of they haven't really they haven't really figured that one out yet but i think uh i think eventually so that sounds like
0: almost a the next generation of gamification because gamification is an idea that's been around for a long time and and been thrown around for a long time maybe applied to things that don't really properly use game theory but this sounds like something that could really work
1: yeah and um the problem with a lot of the gamification stuff is that the applications of it have been relatively shallow here today it's you know do this thing in the LMS and you'll get some points for it. Um, but uh, one of the other areas I am really interested in is is what can we learn from game design and apply to um, learning design? Because game designers know a lot about creating engaging experiences and they know a lot about... Um, uh, bringing people along a skill curve. So how do you kind of gradually increase people's skills over time and things like that. And so there's some really nice stuff to be learned from game design there. Unfortunately, I think it's, I think a lot of the gamification rhetoric is, is still um, pretty shallow. Uh, not all of it, but, but, but a lot of it. And um, so while I think there's really great stuff in game design, it's, it's not uh, it's not as easy as people want it to be. It's not, it's not a simple thing. You know, people who are good game designers are, it's as complicated and as masterful as being a good learning designer and possibly even more so. So there's, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot there.
0: To carry on talking about techniques and technologies, I guess, and uh, to to finish up, the last question is around what you think is going to happen in the next year or so. What, look into the future. What do you think, uh, what's exciting you in, in the world of learning technologies and techniques? For the next 12 months or so?
1: So, the thing that I'm kind of very interested in right now is um, one of the aspects of kind of this talking to the elephant idea really is this question of visceral experience. So do people's behaviors operate differently if they experience the consequences of a safety lapse in a factory versus if they just hear about it or if we just kind of intellectually kind of discuss it? And there's some really interesting research. Uh, A lot of it's coming out of the Stanford Virtual Human Interaction Lab, Uh, but there are other people who are, who are looking at this space as well. Um, Is there something materially different about going into a virtual reality space and having the experience of consequences or empathy building or some of those kinds of things um, for behavior change over something that's kind of more intellectual. Um, And I think it actually goes specifically to this idea of talking to the elephant. Um, If you can go in and experience the thing um, that, probably has a bigger impact on behavior than, uh, in a lot of contexts, not everything, but, um, but probably has a bigger impact on behavior than just being told about it. Um, and so it's a really interesting area, um, in technology altogether, I mean, there's a lot in the augmented and virtual reality space, um, but there's some really interesting stuff going on specifically around augmented virtual reality for behavior change, either through setting up feedback mechanisms or giving people that visceral experience.
0: Cool. Well, Julie, thanks ever so much for talking to us today and uh, really looking forward to your talk at ELN Connect.
1: Great. Looking forward to it.